Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey, Rush Nation, before we get to today's show, which is an absolute banger, trust me on this, I want to tell you about the Fantasy Football Playbook. Murph and I have been working really hard, blood, sweat and tears have been pushed into our first publication. It's a book about fantasy football. Shock, this is a fantasy football podcast, but it's got strategy guides for all formats, rookie player profile reviews, Murph's PAS metric, which is exclusive to the podcast and the book. Head over to fiveyardrush.co.uk into the shop and go buy yourself the Fantasy Football Playbook. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? We're back at it again. It's a sunny Tuesday this side of the pond or England, if you're listening at home. Great day to be here. And it's an international show, guys. We we thought we've had enough of the Americans on the show. Let's bring somebody else on. But before we get to today's guest, Murph, how you doing, mate? Yeah, doing, doing well, mate. Uh, not bad. It's uh, another Tuesday. It's sunny, which you can't ever moan about. Um, Arsenal in an FA Cup final yet again. You know, nice, uh, nice things do happen if you wait patiently and, and long enough. Well, Tampa, you know, if you wait long enough, something might happen again. Listen, I'm not counting my chickens on Tampa. I've said this time and time again. I didn't think we'd get Brady because <laughs> nice things happen. We get Brady and there's a global pandemic. I'm not going to keep going over it. It would not shock me that the season is cancelled because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have, have Tom Brady. I, I've said it time and time again. Yeah, well, I know somebody who's pretty happy about Brady being a Buccaneer now, as he's a, a Bills fan, today's guest. But, you know, when we think of accuracy, being British, we think of Robin Hood or, you know, that sort of thing. And today's guest is pretty much takes Robin Hood, throws him in the bin and says, see you later, pal. Because we're talking about the reigning Fancy Pros champion for most accurate expert for rankings. Seven top 10 finishes in the past eight years, which is phenomenal to say the least it's justin boone everybody justin welcome to five yard rush buddy how you doing i'm i'm doing great i appreciate you guys having me and kind of like you you touched on off the top there i'm so used to being the outsider as the canadian 
always talking to the Americans about football. So it's nice to be talking to somebody else who's outside of America here. That's it. There's enough of us now. I feel like we're building some momentum to take over and invade. You went uh, we'll like on, the... on the inside route. So, you know, you're already kind of in and, you know, established. Well, let's be honest, you're beating the Americans at their own game in terms of, uh, you know, being the most uh, accurate ranker on the planet right now. So, you know, that's uh, another skill. And then Gary Haddell, the um, Scott Fishbowl champion, you know, he was born in the UK. So I feel like we're, we're making those inroads. In a couple of years, it's all going to be Canada and, and Britain and, and the US will be left behind. Oh, you, you got to bring up Gary, that one. That's a bad memory for me because I was in the <laughs> same division as Gary in Scott Fishbowl last year. I won the division. We met again in the semifinals in our semifinal group and I had the lead of the whole group until Monday night. He came back. He had Michael Thomas going and he came back and passed me and booked his ticket to the final and went on to win it all. So it was pretty awesome for him. It was cool to see somebody out of our division win it all, but uh, I wish it would have been me. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, I think this is, this is your year. I was looking at someone's uh, projections and they rated your SFBX roster number one. So I mean, you must be used to be winning all the time anyway, everything. I mean, so. Yeah, that one's not totally a win. Like, I feel like every year there's people who do those sort of, you know, after Scott Fishbowl drafts, you know, who kind of won the whole thing. And I feel like most years I'm the opposite. Most years I'm ranked way low and I'm trying to justify to myself, no, my team's actually good. It's not as bad as this is telling me. And this year when that popped up, I was actually kind of shocked. Like, whoa, I'm, I'm projected. In, it's Matt Spencer, I believe, is his name who did it. Um, and it's just one guy's projection. So, you know, take that for what it is, but, uh, yeah, it was nice to, to finish on top of those and we'll see what actually happens. That's it. It's, it's definitely the way to roll. It's awesome. Um, can't well, be a bad forward. thing, right? <laughs> no, well, that's it. Well, you say that how, how often does the guy who's projected to be number one win? Uh, this is true. <laughs> I think last year we were projected around about, 900 800 or so i think in scoring in the season we were just outside the top 100 so um and then we were playing half the time with one qb because we lost nick Foles early and then yeah we we were struggling with qbs for for some time but it worked out all right until uh darius slayton's big week eliminated us in the quarters which was a bit irritating (laughs) we were like all good we're like yeah we're the semis it's fine darius slayton monday night football same thing as what happened to you just goes off a casual 56 point week all right there we go (laughs) two people added we went from eighth to ninth to 11th well Uh, hopefully we'll meet in the final scott fishbowl this year That'd be great because uh, I know Gary's listening, and uh, Gary, I, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just letting you know now. You're a good friend. I love you to pieces, and you know, we co-own a dynasty team. We're, you're on our sort of Ryder Cup team, um, and that's great. And we'll win a lot of things together. But I need to just sort of eliminate you from the SFBX. So um, don't know how for you. But anyway, enough about uh, all of this. It, it, I'm, you know, really interested in, in having you on. It's been listening to your shows for a long time, and um, thought it'd be really interesting just to understand a little bit how how you got the gig, how how you you went from being a Canadian to being a fan He's still to Canadian. To, well, <laughs> yeah, he is, and, and with pride to to now you know being the uh, you know talking about fantasy football, working for the score, and and you know getting paid to do this for a living. It was kind of a, a long, strange road. I don't know how much detail you want me to go into. I was just on the uh, Game Changers podcast with Dan Harris a few weeks back, and he kind of that whole show was just about going all the way through your history, kind of how you got into fantasy football. 
but for me, it really started in high school. I started playing football for the first time in high school. And at that point, every other sport just fell off. Uh, I was, you know, I was playing hockey. I was playing well, soccer for us or, you know, football, as you guys, I'm sure call it. Um, and all those sports kind of went away once I had discovered American football. Um, I didn't think that I would end up with a job in the industry at that point. Um, when I went to school, I went to school for philosophy. I eventually switched over and went for journalism. And at that point, I was like, I, I think I could do sports. I think I could write about sports for a living. Um, and I got lucky when I came out of school. My internship was with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the Canadian Football League. And oh, I don't know cool. If, yeah, I don't know if you guys know them, but uh, yeah, Johnny Manziel we, got signed with them a couple of years ago for a brief stint. So well, we got have a little bit their... of a their special teams coach is a guy who does um, the coverage of games here, Jeff Reinbold. Okay, awesome. So he does. Wow. He's their special teams coach currently. They went to the Grey Cup finals last year, didn't they? And uh, didn't quite uh, get there, but had the best record. And, and yeah, Jeff's been on our podcast a, a few times. And uh, yeah, we had him talking about the Tiger Cats. So that's a that's nice. a really neat little link. Well, when I was with them, they weren't going to Grey Cups. They were very bad for those few years. <laughs> so it made my job kind of tough. I was the, the beat writer for the team, essentially. Um, and it was very difficult when they were down three touchdowns in the first quarter, trying to come up with some nice things to say about the team. But um, it gave me great insight because I got to spend time in the locker room, around players, coaches, the medical staff, the front office. I got to see really how an organization works. And there's a lot you learn about how certain players approach their job and how some maybe don't do as much as they should, you know, about coaches or the medical staff and, and what they see and how they react to things. So it was so valuable for me. And it's stuff that when we're trying to decipher coach speak now, I can look at some of that stuff when players give quotes too and go, you know what, I actually think this is what he means because I've kind of seen that happen before. So uh, it's been very, very valuable for me during my career. I was there for two or three years. And then I got hired by what's essentially Canadian ESPN. It's TSN. Uh, when I went there, their big thing, I mean, it's Canadian, so it's hockey, a lot of that stuff. But I was able to take over the NFL section there after a few months. And from there, I think a year or two in, I started to do some fantasy content and started to post my rankings. I found fantasy pros and was like, I wonder if they'll let me compete in this. I know I'm Canadian and, you know, I just kind of got into doing the fantasy stuff, but I'd been playing in fantasy leagues for a long time at that point. I'd been doing my own rankings just for myself at that point, but this was the first time I was getting a chance to do it professionally and fantasy pros let me join. You had to be, you know, an analyst in the industry and, and I had the TSN backing there. So I just didn't want to make a fool of myself. I wanted to see where I stacked up against, you know, some of the best in the industry. And that first year I came in eighth and I was kind of surprised, but at that point I was also like, wait a minute, maybe I could actually win this thing. And from there it's, it's just been great. That's, it's it's awesome. Yeah. That's good. How with your rankings, obviously you did it for yourself. Was there a reason you did it for yourself or did you just, you know, what was the process into you getting into ranking for yourself initially? I am super, super competitive. Um, so when I started playing in fantasy leagues, I'll be honest, uh, my friends growing up, they were not very good fantasy players. And I probably wasn't very good back then either. Um, but I had some friends making some very, very questionable plays. So it was kind of easy for me to do well in some of those leagues, which probably made me even hungrier, right? Because I was doing so well. It was like, wait a minute, I'm good at this. And it made me want to get better. So I was putting the rankings together because I wanted my teams to be as good as they could be. And I'd look around the industry and I'd 
disagree with people's rankings out there. And I didn't really, you know, understand why they'd rank a certain player where they did. So I wanted to see, you know, what would mine look like compared to those? And I recommend, you know, as accurate as my rankings are, I recommend that any fantasy player does that because you have your gut feelings, you have your takes and I'm not hundred percent right all of the time. Right. So you could even use mine as a base and then go from there and add in your tweaks and, you know, move players around as you see fit, because that's the fun of it, right? You want the team to be built around what you believe. You don't just want to go and use somebody else's analysis. You want as many data points as you can get different analysts, different stats, all that sort of stuff to bring it all together. So that's kind of what I was doing back then. And it's what I recommend that, that people do now too. I, c- I couldn't agree more. That's kind of the process I've been on the last few years is taking, you know, some, some really sharp guys who I've got to know um, people like Joe Dolan and Pat Fitzmaurice who, and Joe P. Sapir, who would be great with their time. They're good friends of the show. They come on and, and yourself over the last you know, few years and, and you're finally on, you know, look at the people who were the best at what they do to understand where I'm potentially going wrong. And, it, you know, projections is a learning curve. I think the first year I did them, I was miles off. Like it wasn't even, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to look at them now. They were, they were so bad, but that's the whole process. I think you've got to start and be bad. No one does them year one and, and just get right. I've nailed it. <laughs> I mean, because, it still happens. I, I think I had projected Cordero Patterson when he was on the Vikings that one year, Everybody thought he was going to break out. I, I think I had him projected for like a thousand yard season or something that year. And <laughs> he didn't come anywhere close to that. <laughs> and, and, I, and I think that's it, but it's all about processing. As long as you understand and you learn from it, then you get better. And, you know, we talk about this. I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, stocks that by doing projections, we're better fantasy players as, as a result, even when our takes are wrong, the, process was there we you can get why you went there you get it wrong you tweak it and you know not to get fooled twice (laughs) (laughs) you try not to yeah yeah although although if you're an aj green owner then i mean my love for aj green knows no bounds and i have absolutely no idea anymore but i I just (laughs) i keep doing it i keep doing it but i mean yeah the upside's still there you gotta let go no, just gotta let. Please, no. Just this season, just don't draft any more AJ Green anywhere. I mean, <laughs> if he's there in the fifteenth round, still don't take him. It's no, just that no. you need a healthy. It's no. it's like you're with um. It's like I'm, you're with your first love. I'm you've, not going. You've gone through there. the long distance. You've gone through the long distance <laughs> relationship. You've realised it doesn't work, but you, you, you're doing it because you're just holding on to that first love. You just need to let go. It's healthier. The right person is out there for you, and it's not AJ Green. And then am I supposed to be like the the devil on the other shoulder? And I'm like, no, AJ Green's going to have a thousand yards this year. Don't worry about it. Double digit touchdowns. He doesn't need any encouragement. There could be two. You could join my side. He's still going to draft AJ Green in the sixth round somewhere. No, six too early. The weird thing about AJ Green is, I, he wasn't even my first love. I don't know why I'm so infatuated with the guy. It just it's it's somewhere in here, and I can't I can't let go, man. It's eating me up um, this is why we're so polar opposites because i just don't love anyone except robert woods he's the only guy yes yeah, so you know, you're there you've started it you never used to love anyone you even said you'd trade your own mother and now robert that's woods still true you. i would still trade my yeah, mother but... to win a championship it would happen but now you've got robert woods as your guy and now from here those tentacles of players are getting and trust no, me because if, if he start... starts going in the second round i'm not drafting him it's not going to happen it's just because he's still there to... Are you able to trade for your mother after the season? Can you get her back at some point? Like, are... <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure I can come to some form of arrangement. I'm sure I've got. I'm sure I've got some players on the roster somewhere I can trade back. And someone to want. Uh, just have interest, Justin. Where do you have AJ Green projected this year? 
Uh, I have him low 20, well, high 20s, depending how you look at it, but he's in my top 30. Um, I still think, I mean, if you're drafting a Bengals receiver with Joe Mixon there, the upside is there. There's risk, but also where he's going, you're getting a discount. Like you're not paying the price you used to have to pay of the second round or the third round for him. You can get him much, much later in drafts. And with the depth at receiver, I see him fall pretty far in a lot of the drafts I'm in. So I'm still willing to take him in a lot of places. Excellent news. Excellent news. So moving on to your NFL team and why, obviously you're a Bills fan from the hat and the mug that appears every now and again. Why the Bills? (laughs) Well, I grew up in in Niagara Falls, Canada. So right on the the border in the border town. And I was at a a very impressionable age. I was around, you know, nine, 10 years old when the Bills were going to the Super Bowl every year. So pretty easy for me to fall for the team at that point, not knowing that for the next 25 plus years, they weren't going to have very much success. We had the Doug Flutie years. Those were all right. Um, and now, obviously, I love the, the coaching staff and the front office they have there now. It's, it's fantastic seeing the culture change there and being able to look at them as a team that's making all the smart decisions, right? For years, I had to sit back and watch the Patriots just take advantage of values in the draft and constantly sign the right players and that sort of thing. And now you get to see the Bills. Like One thing I point to is how they rebuilt the offensive line, right? Mm. They didn't have to go out and – get a bunch of first round picks or overpay people in free agency. They gave get Mitch Morris, the center, a decent contract, but they got a lot of underrated players like Quentin Spain. They brought all these guys in to provide depth and then let them gel together. And it's working out. I mean, that offensive line kind of got rebuilt on the fly and it really helped Josh Allen, I think, come on last year. A hundred percent. And they're only going to be better um, another year on, uh, you know, another year, another set of stats behind them. I think they're going to be, great. I think you've got the best corner in the NFL in Tredavious White, especially going forward. I mean, I know Gilmore is Gilmore, but, you know, there, there's only so many years left as Tredavious White's got you know, a long a long time and I think he, he is, he's a special talent. Um, defense you know, I, is strong. The, the addition of Stefan Diggs, that's another mm-hmm. example, right? You look at your quarterback being a guy who maybe isn't the best deep ball thrower in the league. We can definitely say that. Maybe one of the worst. But you go and get a receiver that excels in that area to help him, mm-hmm. right? So they're just making really, really smart calls. And uh, it's great to see a lot of it paying off and, and finally getting to cheer for a playoff team again after many years. Absolutely. There's just no bad players on that roster. I mean, you wouldn't look at it and it's not for the star-studded you know, lineup of, of some teams in the NFL and they're not trying to build an all-star team here. But the, you look at that roster and you look at their PFF grades accordingly, there isn't there isn't a bad player on that roster. There isn't anyone you th- say, you look at all the position groups, you, you could, I mean, I don't, I think the weakest group maybe might be tight end. I know Dawson Knox is, is, is pretty decent. You know, I'd say that, you know, there isn't really, you can look at each section and go, defensive line strong, linebacker cause decent, secondary's great. You know, every every department, and that we've never said that about the Bills. They've always had really, really weak areas. So Sean McDermott, front office, everyone's done a great job. They're a really good example of how to build a team without, you know, stumping up everything you've got and, and, and you know, all your picks and everything to, to do it. And, you know, it's not necessarily a, a win-now team. You know, that team can be sustained for years. Um, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> as long I don't as have McDermott. to throw this mug out the window, right? <laughs> Just don't hire John Gruden, you'll be fine. Oh. <laughs> that's that's going to be the one thing. Just he's avoid got, John Gruden. He's got ten years. He has ten years to figure it out, guys. Come on. <laughs> I yeah. watched him for six in Tampa. You know, <laughs> he couldn't have had a dreamier route to the Super Bowl, and then to get 
his old team where he knew all the plays because Bill Callahan hadn't changed him. I mean, he doesn't get any better than that. And he, Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you, how'd you want the ring? Do you want it like uh, just sent to you or <laughs> do we have to play the game? But yeah, no, I, I, I love the Bills. I love watching them. I love their, you know, everyone talks about Alan's talent and, or, you know, the arm and, and everything, but that kid's got, so much heart and spirit that I've said this so many times. That's what I love about Josh Allen. I know he's not the best quarterback. He's not, you know, you you wouldn't put him up against the United or Manning or Brady and say, oh, this guy's incredible. But mental toughness and and just passion, there ain't many guys that have got that desire and willingness to win more than him. And that's what I love about Josh Allen. The team is really behind him as well. Like that sort of those characteristics really win the players over. So he's a, a pretty great leader on that team right now, it seems. And, and then with the team building around him, like we talked about, it's going to allow him to maximize his potential. Right. And like you said, not an elite quarterback, but he's a guy who has some elite characteristics. And then when you surround him with the right players, you're going to people who compare him to Mitch Trubisky and Blake Bortles and that sort of thing. They're just so far off. Those were different organizations. It, it wasn't the same situation at all. Um, so I don't think that Josh Allen's ever going to be a top five NFL quarterback, like you mentioned, but he could be a top five fantasy quarterback this year. Yeah. I mean, he just missed it last year at six. So no reason he can't do it this year. <laughs> no, no. Let's hope. Let's hope he does because I just picked him up in my home dynasty league as my backup quarterback in case Lamar gets injured. So fingers crossed, Josh Allen is the man. So Justin, we ask our guests one final question in the introduction to to break the ice, but the ice is well and truly broken. What advice would you give to our listeners who want to talk about their passion, whether it be football, ice hockey, the Buffalo Bills, for instance? What advice would you give to them to help them get on their way, talking or writing or whatever it is they want to do? Yeah, well, it does kind of depend what they want to do, but. Uh... When I joined the score, I was running the NFL team. When I first joined the score, I didn't join the score just to do fantasy. I was running the NFL team of six to 10 writers, uh, kind of varied at different points. So I got to do a lot of hiring. And I had a lot of people coming in who were kind of in that spot where they saw a job posting. They love football. They wanted to come in and cover it. And sometimes you'd get into that interview and they had no writing. They had no podcasts. They had no video. They had nothing to show other than the fact that, well, I love football. And, and it's like, I think one of the first things is it's not very hard. In the past, it felt like you needed to sign on with one of those big sites or something to be able to post stuff and get that kind of credibility. Now, it's not like that at all. Now, in an afternoon, you could start a blog, start a podcast, and start a YouTube channel. It does not take that long at all. And you don't have to worry about it coming across the most professional Make sure the content is solid. Make sure you love what you're doing and just keep producing. You're going to get better. I mean, I started the score podcast uh, two years ago now, two and a half years ago. And even I thought when I started, man, I'm such a natural. This is fantastic. And I go back and look now and I'm like, man, I was terrible. I was awful when we started. You just get better no matter where you're at. So by doing that, whether it's writing or podcasting or video, whatever, you're only going to get better. You need those reps. So even if no one's reading your blog, just keep doing it just to have that, to be able to show people or to get that experience. It's so important. And then the other thing I would say is be ready to outwork everybody. Cause for me, that's something, I don't know if it's cliche at this point, but it's something for me that, you know, I don't sleep very much during the NFL season. I sleep probably four hours, five hours, if I'm lucky a night on Sunday mornings, I'm up at 4am after staying up until probably one the night before to make sure I got all the 
the Schefter information, all the Ian Rappaport tweets that come out on the injuries. Um, and my day is, it's a long day on Sundays. And I want every edge I could possibly get. A few years back, I would wake up at, you know, 9 a.m. Eastern and I'd have a few hours before the games and I'd update my rankings. And I started to feel like, you know, stuff's coming out before that. I need to react sooner. And I thought, what are other people not doing? Well, they're probably not waking up at four o'clock in the morning. So I started to do that and it it's helped. It definitely has helped give me an edge. So finding those, those ways that you can outwork people um, and be willing to do that is also very important. I couldn't agree with that more. It's, it's marginal gains. It's so important to find, find an edge at working one. You know, we get people all the time who ask us about how we get guests and how we, you know, have the time to, to put out a book or put out writing or whatever we do, you know, stocks and I both have full pay jobs that aren't in this industry. You know, we don't, we don't have the money to, or the situation to where we can give those up. So we have to put in 30, 40 hours a week on top of each on top of what we what we do on our day jobs because this is what we you know we love to do and whether or not it's a career going forward who knows but we are my message to anybody that asks is just we just work harder than most people that's why we can get what we get out of it because if people see that and people see that you love what you do and they they feed off that infection so i couldn't that's probably one of the best answers we've had to that to that question actually um because you can't beat hard work you can't beat effort and hard work you know you don't have to be a natural i don't think stocks and i are naturals at this i don't think we're you know naturally designed to to speak on on you know microphones all day but you learn and you get better you take tips we're much better than like you said justin we're much better than when we started and we see it even on our writing stuff you know they come on and they provide articles and they are there's a couple of guys who said that they didn't want to write because they they didn't think they were very good at writing and now all of a sudden they're giving us an article a week and they're absolutely (laughs) brilliant and it's awesome yeah yeah they just don't limit yourself is what i should say always have a go because you never know what you can do until you've actually tried and if it's something you're passionate about then you're going to go and do it you know the it gives you so much more impetus to go and do it if you're passionate about it. So give it a go. Um, let's talk some fantasy football. That's why we're right. here, right? How did your 2019 fantasy season go? Obviously, we heard about your your tough loss in the, in the SFP. <laughs> but otherwise, how did it go? Uh, 2019 was great. And it wasn't just because I won the, the Fantasy Pros Accuracy Contest, which obviously that one was very, very big to finally get that under my belt. But uh it was just such a difference from the year before the, the year before 2018, uh, my wife and I moved during the off season into our first home. So we were selling our condo and, and moving into the house. Uh, my dad was in the hospital for a stretch. He's fine now, but he spent a few months in the hospital. So I didn't feel like I had an off season, but week one came around and I was exhausted in the first few weeks of the season. And normally you don't get to that point until maybe the second half of the year. And I, this, to start that year, I had, three of probably my worst weeks ever in that fantasy pros contest. Cause I just wasn't able to spend as much time on it. Um, and I had to make a decision at that point after the first few weeks, you know, am I going to maybe not have a great year or am I going to try to dig deeper and, and figure a way, you know, out of this hole. And I was able to do that and I was able to do it by, you know, uh, not spending a lot of time with my family and friends. My wife would joke, you know, that was the first year that I was able to work from home. I, I started working from home, um, in late August of 2018. Um, and I think she thought when I started working from home, I would be around and available all the time. 
And I, because of that, I was probably less available than when I was working in the office. I, when my office door closed in the house, I was, I was gone for hours, maybe the whole day. Um, but it worked. I was able to kind of refine my process. I, you know, I tried to cut out some things that maybe weren't as predictive and that I kind of just been using, you know, over the years and didn't really look at enough. Um, and I dug myself out of the hole and I ended up finishing fourth overall in 2018, despite all of that. And then last year, was the first year where I had the full off season where I was just full-time fantasy. Cause like you guys are saying, even though I was in the industry, I was just working on the NFL team and the fantasy stuff was kind of a, a side thing that I was doing at the score for first, the first few years. Um, and it wasn't until 2018 that they took me off the NFL and made me full-time fantasy. So last year was the first time I had the full off season just to focus on fantasy, to refine my projections, all that sort of stuff. And it, it worked out obviously, but also it allowed me to enter the season more prepared than ever. And, more rested than ever because I didn't have to do a move or anything like that, driving the hospital back and forth all the time. So I started the year and I felt like I was right back in the zone that I kind of finished 2018 on and I never looked back. I, it was, it was a great season. Um, you know, in addition to, to winning the accuracy contest, I won the fantasy pros dynasty invitational and there's some, some heavy hitters in that one, Mike Taglier and Sean Kerner and uh, Elliot Chris, like I mentioned, Pat Fitzmaurice is a bunch of, a bunch of guys in that one. Um, I was able to take home the title in, in that as well. So yeah, all around just a, a fantastic season and a one that I hope I can replicate. Yeah, yeah could could be, be a uh, tough one, tough act yeah. to follow. <laughs> yeah. Set the bar bar pretty high right there. <laughs> well, I was even joking that well, now that I'm working from home and I have the whole offseason to focus on fantasy, that was the first time and I won the contest. So now I should win the contest every year, right? <laughs> yeah, you're locked in. <laughs> You're just going to scratch your name on that trophy. You're not going to get it back. In fact, I can see the trophy in the background, if I'm not mistaken. It, yeah, it is. It's, it's this one right here. This is the, <laughs> the one that's so big it doesn't fit in the, the frame. Yeah, they went all it's out. Casual <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so man. is there any insights from last year in terms of learnings when you've gone back and reviewed the 2019 season that you're going to take forward with you uh, in 2020? I think one of them is that don't look at the season as one whole entity. Look at it as break it up, whether it's breaking it up in the first half of the year, the second half of the year, or even I like to look at it in like three or four game stretches. So when you go into your draft, don't think about, I think the people that look ahead and, you know, to the, the fantasy playoff schedule and stuff, you can do that, but I don't know how predictive it's going to be. It's very difficult to figure out, you know, what defenses are going to look like late in the season. And, We'll probably talk about the COVID stuff at some point here, but when you look at, you know, what things could be like later in the season when without the COVID stuff, just injuries that could hit players breaking out, defenses could look a lot different. So trying to predict what they're going to be like in the last month of the season could be very difficult. I like to focus on that first month. And if you get out to a three and one, a four and oh start, you're just in such a better position where you can now kind of control your league. When you're making trades, you can make trades where now you're looking ahead and you're looking ahead with more information than you had before the season started. Whereas if you're have a losing record, now you just got to get some wins under your belt or all of a sudden you're going to be out of it by you know week six or week seven and you won't even have a chance at the fantasy playoffs. So you want to be operating from a position of strength. And along those lines, I would say, if you see something early in the season that you feel strongly about, don't be afraid to pull the trigger on a trade or releasing a player or anything like that. I think sometimes people hold on to their preseason beliefs a little too much. And I was guilty of that last year where I talked to myself, I had a, a solid team in the, the one league I'd started strong 
And I needed a quarterback though. And I was happy just kind of playing the waiver wire, but Lamar Jackson, his owner had kept Patrick Mahomes the year before. So he was looking to move Lamar Jackson after a few games. And I looked at it and I talked myself out of it. I don't want to pay for a quarterback. Uh, Lamar Jackson went up against easy defenses the first few weeks. Maybe he's not as good as it looks, but in the back of my mind, I had talked all preseason about how good Lamar Jackson was. He was the late round guy to go after and I didn't make the trade. And when I look back now, I lost in the semifinals and Lamar Jackson would have been the difference for me. So uh, if you know early in the season and you feel strongly about something, pull the trigger on that. Absolutely. Don't, you know, don't be comfortable in your preseason beliefs. Don't be comfortable with your team. Make sure you're constantly making moves and gaining edges and trades and all that sort of stuff as the year goes along. Agreed. We uh, we host the 256 team best ball knockout tournament. So every two weeks is a knockout. So if you if you lose your matchup in the first two weeks, you're out. That's you done for the tournament. And that's a really good way of looking at it because there's no point in planning for the playoffs if you get knocked out week in the first round <laughs> exactly. or the second round. That's so. exactly what I did last year. I thought I'd build a team to think about, I'll get through the first couple of rounds. It'll Me be too. fine. And then I built all these stars. And, and true enough, if I got past, if I got into the quarterfinals, I would have won the thing because my team was good. It just didn't didn't stack out week one. I, I went against someone who had Sammy Watkins and that was the end of me. And that's that's what happens if you try and count your chickens. You, you can do a bit of planning for the end of the few, you know, but you need to, as you say, you got to stack up wins. You got to keep going. Don't Don't look too far ahead. And some of the best teams might be the teams that look completely different from what they drafted, right? If you, if you feel strongly about, you know, your trading abilities, you keep gaining those edges in trades. It's like stocks. Everybody always compares fantasy to stocks, right? We'll sell a player after those first few weeks when they had a, an easy schedule and you know, the schedule is going to get a lot tougher this year. It might be the bills because they have a very tough schedule after their buy. It's like chargers, Steelers, it's 49ers, like every tough defense you can imagine, Patriots. Um, so that might be a situation where some of the bills that start strong, you might want to look at trading them a part way through the year there and kind of maxing out the value and finding somebody else later in the year. But uh, I just think any edge you can get along the way and, and trades and, and waiver wire moves and stuff like that. Um, is another one of those ways. Don't just look at the draft. Like that's the be all and end all. Love that. So let's talk projecting NFL offenses. Okay. Obviously, being the number one in the entire globe, there's a secret source <laughs> to your process. And we obviously, you can't give the secret source away, but how do you go about your process when it comes to rankings to begin with? Like, do you have a base point you start from or, or how do you get started on your rankings? Uh, it depends. Well, it depends what you're talking about. If you're talking about the, like the draft rankings or in-season rankings. For the, oh, the draft rankings, I, I start off just with rankings in January. And part of that is because... I don't really feel like doing projections in January. I've, at that point, we've gone through 16, 17 weeks of the season, you know, still doing a little bit of DFS in the playoffs. But in January, I want to be able to kick back a bit and not have to just grind and grind again. So uh, I kind of go easy on myself there. And I just look at the projections, what I think could happen the next season. Also, there's so much player movement that's about to happen mm-hmm. that if you're spending all that time on projections, a lot of it isn't going to matter mm-hmm. in a month or two. Um, I don't do my first projections until free agency happens. And then at that point, you got a much better idea of what rosters are going to look like. You also kind of have an idea maybe of what teams are going to do in the draft because you can look at some of the holes and realize certain teams that are going to go after certain positions. But at that point, you have a, a better idea. You know the coaching changes, you know, you know the free agency moves and maybe some of the trades that have happened and stuff. And at that point, you know, then it's just a matter of every single time you're working on those projections, 
digging deeper on something else, whether it's strength of schedule, whether it's, you know, players who are dealing with serious injuries and having to figure out where they're at and where they're going to be at come next season. All those little things start to add up, right? The historical data, the, you know, the vacated targets and touches and all that sort of stuff. You're just every time refining them and refining them until really like this point in the year is probably the first time that I feel great about my projections. You never feel perfect about them but at this point in the year i've gone through you know offensive lines and and defensive roster changes and matchups and all that sort of stuff and now you start to go okay i got enough data points in there where i feel pretty good uh, about where i have those players and then during the preseason we're not going to get one this year but normally in the preseason i'm doing a takeaways article every night after the preseason games and people underrate the preseason i know you don't learn that much about starters but you learn a lot about depth players. And when those injuries happen during the season and you know, you know what, they were playing this guy a lot. He looked really good in the preseason. I think I'm going to grab that running back. It gives you some more insight. Now we're not going to have that this year. So that's kind of unfortunate. And we're going to have to make a lot of decisions early in the year. It's going to be kind of like the preseason, maybe in the first few weeks. Um, But come the season, then I'm publishing those. And then you're on to in-season ranking. The in-season rankings, I go the opposite way because you're kind of dialed in now in season, but it starts for me with the math at that point, I'm breaking down some kind of loose projections. It's not as refined as they would be for the preseason or for the draft rankings, but I'm doing the math first and then I'm bringing sort of my flavor to it. My, my takes, my gut, uh, the things that I see that maybe, you know, the rankings, uh, the model's going to give me something or it's like, I don't think, you know, Gardner Mitchell is going to be a top five guy, but all of a sudden, Hey, Maybe he could be a top 15 guy and he's going outside the top 20. Then you start to maybe bump him back a few spots. You don't want to get too crazy. And there's some people out there that go full hot take and, and sometimes they are right. You know, last year I thought Lamar Jackson was going to be good. I didn't think he was going to be as good as he was the year before. I even said, you know, Patrick Mahomes could be a top five quarterback. I didn't think he was going to have a historic season and be the number one quarterback overall, but sometimes those things do hit. Um, but yeah, it's kind of the opposite, weirdly, that in season, I'm kind of doing the math first and then adding my takes because the injury stuff as it comes out during the week, that's a lot of what you're going to refine the rankings with. Um, whereas in the off season, I'm kind of going easy on myself and starting with just the rankings and then bringing the projections in to, to kind of make it a little clear. So just on that, going back to the, the draft rankings and building up for the season, how much does doing drafts, best balls in particular, and looking at ADP shifts and data sway your rankings? Is there any sway in it? Or is it like, no, I'm committed to my process. I know it works. You're not overly fussed or bothered about the ADPs that you're getting in in best balls in in May, June, early July, for example. I'm looking at all that ADP information. So it's in the back of my mind somewhere because I'm looking at it for the drafts I'm doing and for the advice that I'm giving, right? If you're talking about breakouts and busts and sleepers, that all is because of the ADP, right? Um, But to be honest, when it comes to the, the rankings and the projections, I'm not really taking that stuff into account at all. And one thing I always tell people is that's why you can't just draft off of rankings. You want to use the rankings as a big data point for sure. But if I have Anthony Miller, let's say, uh, of the Bears, if I have him ranked as an eighth round pick, you definitely don't need to take him in the eighth round. You can get him much later in drafts, but that's just to give you an idea of how valuable he is. So depending, you have to make a decision in your league 
How sharp is everybody in your league? Are you playing with just kind of casual fans? Are people going to know about Anthony Miller? When do you have to pull the trigger on him? You might want to jump a round or two ahead of his ADP to make sure you get him if you feel really strongly. But it's not just drafting off the ADP because if you're just going off the ADP, you're probably going to make some picks and lose a lot of value in the draft where you could pick that up by kind of looking at both and comparing them and making maybe your own rankings of where you want to take guys. Absolutely. I think that's that's fundamental to, to anything because you, you, the worst thing you can do is have a guy who you rate in the top six and, and take him as a top six player when you can get him, you know, at pick 58, pick 60, and then pick up the other guys and have an even stronger uh, stronger squad. I think um, with ADP, I, I mean, like we looked at it last year, you know, players like Chris Godwin who went and jumped three rounds and things like that. You know, clearly people were getting wise to not just the hype, but you could see the high stakes players, you know, FFPC players, you could, if you look at some of their ADPs, you can see huge shifts. You're thinking, okay, these guys are dialed in, they're sharp players. And you start seeing Chris Godwin go from a, a sixth round player to a high third player. You're starting to think, okay, well, there's, there's got to be something in that. Um, and in some, you know, sometimes it, it works and sometimes it doesn't. I was just curious if some of that maybe played into your thinking, but then I guess you're probably already ahead of the, the curve on that. In well, a that's, ways. but also, to tie into that, when I'm doing those early breakouts, like I put out, I put out like a super early breakouts column in like February or something. But when I start to do sort of the main breakouts and bus columns right after the draft, the NFL draft, I use the data, the ADP from the best ball leagues, from the FFBC and stuff, because those are much, much more accurate and maybe indicative of what you're going to see come August. If you're just going off the, the regular sites, you know, sort of the, the big mm. box kind of sites, the ADPs there, there's not a lot of people drafting in those. And I think a lot of them are dependent on human drafters to help, you know, curb the ADPs. They're not really indicative until maybe August when a lot of people dive in there. So you want to look at those best ball leagues where there's money on the line. People are going to be a little more dialed in with that stuff. Uh, earlier in the off season, even going back to when they open and like you know March and, and April and stuff, even before the draft. So always be looking at at those ADPs uh, versus just you know mm. I won't mention any sites, but some of the you know the, the sites that rely on the more casual fans coming in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we play on a couple, and one of them only updated their bye weeks about three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> You see, they're like, oh, okay, be drafting it's, uh, you know, wrong my weeks, etc. Um, you mentioned COVID, and it's a bit um, point you talk about it now because obviously there's a lot of, of things going on about this. But is there, in terms of, of COVID 19, I mean, are you going to, is that, is some of potentially the, the effect of COVID preseason, etc., baked into your rankings, especially as we're not going to have uh, a, a preseason? Uh, at all or are you just going to project this as you know what's going to happen and then if injuries happen you'll just move and adjust accordingly because all players are going to be at the same risk basically like you know I haven't changed it that much Um, I think there's a strong chance that we're going to see a lot of players miss time and that overall the projection should be lower and you should be taking into account that players might only play 13 instead of 16 games or something like that. But I don't think we can really change too much right now. The one area where I have kind of factored it in is with rookies. And you could say with players who free agents who change teams as well, but at least those guys are, are veterans. We see them, 
maybe not do as well in a lot of positions with their new teams or have a little bit of a learning curve with that new team, but at least they're veterans. They've been through this before. The rookies, we can't underestimate how big of a deal it is. It's a new job. Think about any of us when you start a new job, right? There's that period where you're kind of getting acclimated and, and figuring out how things work, getting to know everybody there, your bosses, your new coworkers, how things operate in that new business. They have to go through all of that now just in the preseason. They didn't get rookie camps. They didn't get OTAs. And now they're just thrown into it. I'm sure they got a little bit from the virtual stuff that they did, but it's not the same. It's not the same as being on the field. And you saw even in some situations, you know, for the, the Bills, for example, when they all got together, I'm not sure how many of their rookies actually were there. And it's probably because they don't really have close relationships yet with a lot of those guys. Right. So I don't think, for example, like Zach Moss wasn't with the team yet in those, you know, player only practices, whereas Devin Singletary was. So Mm -hmm. how much do you factor that? And I think it is going to have somewhat of a factor running back, not as much because running back we see in general, those guys can hit the ground running pretty easily. No pun intended, but uh, with wide receivers, with quarterbacks, you know, Joe Burrow is somebody who I would like to rank even higher, mm. but he's going to take the field for the first time in an NFL game in week one. He didn't get that preseason to kind of work out some of the Kings. He could still be fantastic, but the odds of him coming out of the gate strong are a little bit lower. So rookies I've shot away from a little bit in drafts and I think they're ranked a little bit lower um, versus probably some of the other analysts in the industry just for that very reason. Smart. Very. I've got Juju on the mind, and, and we're going to talk <laughs> about higher and lower than consensus. Cause, and also, you talking about ADP for, for people who've got money on the line. Well, in the draft I did, if you have your own rankings in front of you and you on, a, on an actual bit of paper and you can cross them off as people get drafted, you can see where the value is still on your draft board or your sheet. And if you're going by the ADP list on the app you're using which is why I bring Judy up, because he was the 104th player ranked on this ADP guide. Oh, wow. Yeah. What? Yeah, he was 104th. Where are you drafting? This was on Sleeper last week. I guess <sighs> you not. So he was 104th. It was Superflex, but even so, I was at 104th. How many rounds do I let him slide? And uh, it got, I was at the back end of the seventh, and I was like, I have to pull the trigger on Juju now. Oh, oh yeah. what? Yeah. Yeah. That's I know. wild value. And, and it was because people obviously hadn't scrolled far enough down the list to find him. And because they didn't have the list of players ticked off, they'd forgotten he existed because he wasn't in front of them. So I was just thinking, can I let him fall? Can I let him fall? Can I... And I, it got to the seventh. I took him at seven, eight. And then somebody who was drafting after him was like, oh, I wish you let Juju fall a little bit further. Like I was hoping he'd fall. And I was like, yeah, of course you were. You didn't even know he existed until I just drafted him. But yeah, so like you say, ADP from people who put money on the line is far more far more accurate at the moment than than some of the other places that we're drafting and that brings me to high and lower because i am super high on juju this year like almost probably as murph would say crazy high but we won't get into that today we've talked about it already do you have anyone player wise that you're higher on the consensus and maybe a couple of positions and as to why you are on them and then is there anyone you're absolutely down on against consensus this year at the moment well uh there's a lot uh (laughs) I think uh, I don't normally look at like where like the ECR, like the expert consensus rankings, but because you mentioned that we were going to do this, I I took a quick look here. Um, (laughs) I have Cam Newton at QB 14. The expert consensus rankings on fantasy pros is QB 18. 
I was a little higher on this Patriots offense, even with Jared Stidham under center, because at that point, I mean, I wasn't taking Stidham anywhere near QB 14, but he was a guy that could run the ball a little bit. And also we're talking about Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. I have a lot of faith and maybe it's the Bills fan in me, but I have a lot of faith that those guys are going to figure out how to generate some offense. They've done it basically every time Brady's gone down, whether it was Matt Castle stepping in several years ago, whether it was during Brady's suspension when they had Garoppolo and Brissett and they were kind of just piecing it together at quarterback. They've been able to win games. They've been able to produce offense. And the weapons there aren't that bad. Like Julian Edelman is a 90-catch guy still, could be a 100-catch guy. Nikhil Harry, we were all so high on last year. He gets hurt. He comes in. There should be no shock that he doesn't create separation. People that are pointing to that, we knew that coming out. He's more of a contested catch guy. And now he's got a quarterback who's had experience with guys like that and is willing to throw the ball up to him and maybe not be as hard on him for being a rookie that you know doesn't know the offense yet because he missed the first half of the season on injury reserve and that sort of stuff. Um, you know, the running max there, Sony Michelle being extremely underrated, has over 1,800 rushing yards in his first two seasons here. And yet everyone wants to just pass him by. Hopefully he'll be healthy to start the season. But James White, another good option. Mo Sanu was hurt after he came over to the mm-hmm. Patriots down the stretch. So there's some very professional players in that offense. And now they don't need to lift up this young quarterback. You got a guy who was a former MVP joining the team there. You look at Tom Brady, he had five rushing touchdowns over the last two years. You don't think Cam Newton can do that and you know add to his numbers on top of some rushing yards that Brady couldn't produce? So I'm very, very willing to, to take Cam Newton just outside of that QB1 range. And if we see him in practice looking really good, I would probably move him into that low-end QB1 range over some guys like Aaron Rodgers and, and Drew Brees and Matt Stafford. I think he'll jump those guys if we see him on a practice field looking healthy. Um, so he's definitely one. Uh, let's look at the other positions. Uh, Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake, to me, is a first-round pick this year. Now, last year, he only played eight games with them. Um, if you double those numbers, you put on pace what he did in those eight games over a full 16-game schedule, he would have finished as the running back two behind only Christian McCaffrey. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I think he has a lot more upside that people are giving him credit for. I have him at RB6 right now. I'm not sure where the consensus was on that one, but RB6, I'd be willing to take him in the first round. And I've gotten a hard time. I got a a hard time a a few months ago for taking him in the the late second round um, in one draft. And now I'm happy to take him in the late first Mm. and I'm still getting a hard time, but I don't think it's going to be a problem come the season. I think I'm going to cash in there Um, at wide receiver. Allen Robinson, DJ Moore. I mean, just look at what these guys have done recently. Allen Robinson playing with a completely erratic Mitch Trubisky last year. I think he had 98 catches. He had over 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns. Maybe you get something a little better from Trubisky this year, or maybe you get Nick Foles coming in and helping to stabilize, give some average quarterback play. I have Allen Robinson all the way up at wide receiver five. Now, part of that is... Because after you get through those first four, it's very close for, and you kind of mentioned it with Juju, when you're going from like wide receiver five to wide receiver 17, 18, it's not that much of a difference in the projections. You could really bump guys up and down quite a bit in that range. Um, But I think Al Robinson is somebody with a lot of upside, maybe even a hundred catch upside in that offense as well. DJ Moore, you know, what he's done as a young player, with bad quarterback play last season to do what he did 
with Kyle Allen as his quarterback. And now you're not getting an elite quarterback coming in, but you're getting Teddy Bridgewater, who's just a much better version of Kyle Allen. He's still going to want to throw short and rely on his receivers to rack up yards after the catch. So I have DJ Moore inside my top 10. I have my wide receiver eight. Um, and he's a guy in my mind, maybe the, the biggest breakout this season, we could be talking about him next year as uh, a top four, top five receiver. I think um, it, the sky's the limit for him in that offense with that new coaching staff. It's going to be a really good attack, I think. And they're going to be forced to throw the ball because their defense is terrible. They are completely rebuilding the defense now. And it's going to take a while for all those rookies to catch up, especially with this offseason, like we talked about. So DJ Moore is, is going to be up there in, in volume. And the one thing about him that people don't like is the touchdowns. But it, touchdowns can be a very wild stat from year to year, right? And generally, yardage tends to be predictive of touchdowns. So we haven't seen it for him yet, but if he continues at this pace, and I think he will, we're going to see those touchdowns come around. Uh, tight end. Who did I write down here? Eric Ebron. We're one season removed from Eric Ebron putting up 14 total touchdowns with good quarterback play. Then he has a year where the quarterback play disappears as Jacoby Brissett, no offense to Jacoby Brissett, but he's not Andrew Luck. And now he's going, now you have Ebron going to a team where we think there's going to be much better quarterback play. You think Ben Roethlisberger looks like he's going to come back healthy. That offense has a lot of potential. And even if the yardage isn't there, right? They got Juju. I really like Deontay Johnson. We don't know. He's not really proven yet though. But even if the yardage isn't there for Ebron, the touchdowns, they could still be, they need a weapon around the red zone. So I think there's a shot we see Ebron have a year, you know, kind of like we saw Jared Cook have last season where the yardage isn't huge, but the touchdown numbers are there. And, with tight end, you put up a big touchdown total and you could definitely be, you know, a top 10 tight end pretty easily, maybe even higher than that. Uh. So I really like Ebron and he's going off the board. I'd take him just outside of my top 12. He's going off the board outside the top 20. He's really undrafted in Uh. most places. So those are some guys that I, I really like. I mean, there's so many more. If you want me to go into the guys I don't like Baker Mayfield, I know we were excited about him last year. We were excited. And I think efficiency-wise, I think he's going to be much better this season. The problem is that new coaching staff, that new system that's coming in. Kevin Stefanski is going to bring what they were doing in Minnesota. The volume is not going to be there for Baker. He's got all those weapons around him, but they're going to run the ball primarily. So while the efficiency is going to go up, while the interceptions are probably going to come down, kind of like we see with Kirk Cousins, right? He's a guy who doesn't put up a lot of interceptions. You're not going to see the the big games consistently from Mayfield. It's going to be just like Kirk Cousins. You're going to see a big game once in a while when they have to throw, but normally he is not going to have big volume. At least not big enough to be, you know, a real fantasy asset, in my opinion, at a position that's so deep that I'm going to rather go with guys like Gardner Minshew and Teddy Bridgewater. There's so many, so many quarterbacks out there you could take. I have Baker Mayfield outside of my top 20, and I think that's much different than a lot of people. Uh, James Conner, and this isn't a talent thing, but I'm staying away from him. I know there's a lot of people who want to invest in him because of the price. You're getting a guy who could potentially put up top five, top 10 numbers. I look at him as a player that I don't think he's going to be able to stay healthy for a full season. And if he does stay healthy, I think it's going to be at a reduced workload. I think it's going to require them to get other running backs in the mix and that's going to take away that ceiling for him a little bit. We had Dr. Edwin Porras from Fantasy Points uh, on our podcast a little while ago, and he kind of reiterated the same thing, that he was concerned now that unless they lower the volume, that 
And maybe that is a strategy you could take. If you want to get Connor and just say, you know what, maybe I get him for half a season and then I'll figure it out after that when he does get hurt. You can totally do that. There's guys like Will Fuller or Brandon Cooks that I would probably approach the same way there. Just don't think that you're going to get a, a guy who's going to give you that top five stats for the whole season because I don't think Connor's capable of doing it. A wide receiver, I don't want to harp on the Browns, but Odell Beckham Jr. and mm-hmm. Injuries were a big part of it last year. And if they were going to run the same offense as last year and he was going to be healthy and you were coming into the season with Jarvis Landry a little banged up, like it seems like he's going to be, maybe I'd be a little more excited about Beckham. But in this offense, we saw it with Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. They would have big games, but they really had to survive on being incredibly efficient in order to be consistent. And Thielen at one point was doing that early last year before he got hurt. He was scoring touchdowns despite the fact he was getting six, seven targets a game. He'd score a touchdown and keep his fantasy value intact. But over the course of a whole season, it's going to be tough for Beckham to get back into the wide receiver one rank. So I look at him more as a low end wide receiver two. If that, if we see Landry come back healthy, if they rely on the tight ends a little more, which I think they're going to Austin Hooper and, and David Njoku, if he doesn't get traded, you have Kareem Hunt now there catching passes out of the backfield. It's going to be really hard for Beckham to put up the volume there. I know I've been talking forever. we got one more. We'll do tight end that I don't like. Noah fan. And this is another one where volume is going to be the issue. I love the talent, but look at what they've done. They've gone and added all these pieces in the passing game. Uh, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, uh, KJ Hamler, Albert Akui Boonham, uh, who was – teammates in college with Drew Locke. So there's a bit of a connection there. We could see him siphon some touchdowns away. Uh, I think it's a team that wants to run the ball as well. And you have Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. I see this as a situation where it is going to be tough to predict who outside of maybe Cortland Sutton is going to catch a lot of passes in that offense. So I'd be staying away from Noah Fant at this point where you maybe saw him as potentially a tight end one this year. I have him way down where other people have Eric Ebron kind of around that tight end 20 range. That's a spicy. That's a strong, <laughs> spicy takes. But I, the, like you said, there's, lo- there's logic to, to, to all of it. So uh, definitely buying uh, a lot of that. Just to sort of wrap this up, you've obviously published the, um, the draft kit for the score, um, which is an amazing resource. I've, I've dipped into it. Um, quite a bit and, and continue to look through it um, most days because I'm drafting most days. In fact, I've drafted every day since April. Um, <laughs> so um, it, it, it's a really powerful guide because it's not just a rankings list that everyone puts together. You've got a lot of unique uh, features in there and, and your own take. So um, just talk a little bit about sort of what, what the guide is, is trying to do for players and, and, and some of the things in there that are going to help make players be more successful and, uh, give them some more uh, edges that you're not going to get from a standard. Here's a list of 200 guys that you should rank from one to 200. Well, the first thing is that everything we're doing at the score, we have a website as well, score.com, but everything we're doing is designed for the mobile app. So you're going to want to download the app because it's set up to be very easy to jump between articles, to jump between rankings while you're doing your draft, right? I want you to have your phone right there and be able to grab, you know, should I take that player? What's his strength of schedule look like? All that sort of stuff is baked in. What does his offensive line look like? All that stuff. So that's the first thing is we want to make it as, as easy as possible to kind of navigate through. And then on top of that, yeah, you're getting rankings and tiers and auction values and all that stuff. 
we haven't even added a lot of the things yet that are coming, right? The projections are going to be coming soon. The offensive line rankings are going to be coming as well in the next week or so. Um, all that stuff, it's updated constantly leading up to the season. I know, you know, the thing used to be to, to buy a magazine in, in you know, May and, and you're set up for the rest of the time. But really now you want to be uh, at the cutting edge, right? Whenever anything happens, it takes two seconds for me to jump in and now update my rankings. And now you can see what those look like. And during the, the preseason, especially, I know we're not going to get games, but I'm constantly updating and it'll be the same this year because we're going to get word out of these camps, you know, what players look like, all that sort of stuff, injuries that happen. So you want those, you know, updates as fast as you can possibly get them and it'll all be in there. Right. So uh, I think, you know, I think it's an incredible resource that we're giving away for free. I think it's awesome that the score is willing to do that. Uh Um, You know, there's a, a ton of great draft kits out there, but to have this one, you know, readily available, and kind of designed to be as easy to use as possible with all this different information in there. Um, you know, to get that for free, it's at least worth checking out. I will say if you don't like it at that point, fine, but it would be foolish not to give it a chance. Especially as you're the world's greatest ranker as well. So, you know, to get your rankings on your phone, on, on, on a mobile device, you know, we're going to put the link in the show notes so everybody can get access to it. We've got a, a visual of it on the, on the overlay that people are watching this on, on the stream. So down awesome. uh, bottom, bottom left. So do check it out. And um, it is a great resource. Even if you know, you've got your tiers, have a, have a look and compare. Um, but the strength of schedule, as you mentioned, things like the offensive line, there, those, those little sharp edges to the, those marginal gains we're talking about that will just sharpen your focus, will sharpen your tiers. And as you say, it's there to, to be used during your draft. It's, it's a wonderful resource. And it was a big reason why I wanted you on because it is such a and great actually, tool. One other thing I'll add there too, with the mock drafts. So in the past, and maybe I'll do it again in the coming weeks, but in the past we've done mock drafts with other analysts in the industry. Right. And that's great. Like it's fantastic to see where everyone's, you know, taking players and what they're thinking. But I would caution that a lot of the analyst mock drafts, don't reflect what happens in actual leagues, right? So what I've done the last couple of years is I've found the people at the score. It's not just the people on our NFL team, but some of them are, but it's the people across the score. It's not just people in our newsroom either. We got people from the sales team, the marketing team, people who play fantasy. I got them involved. I want to see what they think in these drafts. And I think it gives you a better picture of what might happen in more casual leagues. You know, in analyst leagues, for example, quarterbacks go so late because Mm. everybody knows, right? I'll wait on quarterback. But in these leagues, you see them go where, you know, they probably will go in your draft. So you'll be less surprised, I would say, um, if you're looking at those kind of mock drafts. And I'm breaking down after every round in those, you know, what we're seeing and what picks were good and what weren't. And some of the staff, I think, I'm surprised some of them still do the drafts with me because I've given them a hard time for a few of their picks. But um, yeah, I think that's also another kind of unique resource that you might not be getting other places where everybody's kind of doing these analyst drafts. And like I said, they're great. And I'm probably going to do one in the next couple of weeks that I post in there too. But it's something else that you can get uh, in there that can give you maybe a little more of an idea what your draft's going to look like. And also, and, and the app is great, as you mentioned, not just it's easy to read, but the notifications, you can set it to your preferences of teams. Um, your, your soccer team do a good job. They get notifications out before 
uh, a lot of the big outlets here as well. So you can tell them from from me in the UK, they uh, they do a great job. It, but the notifications I'm, are spot on. They're really I'm great. I'm so glad to, to hear that. On. Our soccer team, they they work so hard. Um, those guys are, are fantastic. And I don't know if they always get enough notoriety being in, in North America. Um, but yeah, they do a fantastic job. And I will say too, with the score app on top of, you know, all the fantasy and even all the, the NFL coverage that we have, I use the score app before I even worked at the score. Um, it is just so easy to use. It's so intuitive, um, you know, jumping around in the app and it only continues to get better. So um, I would have done that infomercial for them even before I worked there. Um, and now I'm, I'm just glad that I do work there and I can, you know, help it be even better. No, it's a, it, like I said, it's a great app. You can tell the soccer team that uh, I, I definitely use will because it, it's a, it is a great resource. And, and the, you know, the news that comes out, it comes out before most mainstream apps. When you get the notification, it's there and it's like, great. I can go in and read something else and read something else. And you can set your preferences to your team. So you just get notifications on things that interest you when there's breaking news and it's rapid. And I'm not just saying that because Justin's on, it is quick. Most of the time. Well, think, and I, I with those every- notifications, Sorry, and with those notifications, you can break it down very specific, right? So whether it's fantasy, whether it's NFL, soccer, whatever, you can break it down. I only want breaking news alerts. I only want alerts from this team. What type of alerts do you want for that team? Do you want player news? Do you want, you know, uh, features that we've written? Do you want, you know, videos, all that sort of stuff? You can pick and choose what you want from each thing. So that's fantastic too, right? So you're not, your phone isn't blowing up all the time with stuff you don't want. You can really select exactly what you want to be getting. I get like four a day. It's perfect. (laughs) There you go. So uh, Justin, we always finish with one spicy hot take for fantasy football in the upcoming year, or if it's in season for that year coming, but my Denver heart bleeds already at your Noah Fant one, but excuse me, do you have an even spicier one that you, you're prepared to, to air here? Uh, well, you guys tell me, I just did a, a bold predictions article in the last couple of weeks. Um, and I've talked about that. I touched on Gardner Minshew a couple of times. One of them was that Gardner Minshew would be a top 10 quarterback, um, mostly because his rushing numbers there, but, uh, let's say, okay. Is this spicy enough? Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson are both going to get back into the RB one ranks this year. Everyone's oh, writing nice. them off. Oh, Everyone's writing them off. They're 28 years old. They're so old for running backs. You know, people look at that clip of David Johnson last year running like he's Jason Witten on the field (laughs) and everyone overreacts to one clip. The guy was hurt in the first six weeks of the season. David Johnson was a top five fantasy running back. Then he gets hurt. Chase Edmonds comes in. He produces. They go trade for Kenyon Drake. David Johnson sees that. And says, I need my job. I'm going to lose my starting job. He rushes back. He wasn't healthy. He looks terrible in the second half of the season. But everybody, for some reason, forgets that in the, the first six weeks, he was producing. So I think people are just overlooking him completely. Uh, Houston has all the motivation in the world to give him as many touches as he could possibly want after trading him for DeAndre Hopkins. So Bill O'Brien, whatever you think of him, he wants DJ to do well there. And we saw Carlos Hyde step in last year, and we, I wrote him off. I didn't think Carlos Hyde was going to go in there and put up a 1,000 yards in that offense, but the volume was there. So you have Johnson coming in, able to do that, but also he's going to catch a bunch of passes, which Carlos Hyde was not going to do last season. Mm-hmm. So I would be almost surprised at this point if we don't see a big rebound year from David Johnson. And then Le'Veon Bell, he was knocking a lot of rust off. He sat out, he signs with the Jets, he shows up there last year. That Jets team was cursed from the get-go, whether it's 
Sam Darnold getting mono and missing time early in the season, a terrible offensive line. Adam Gase is not a great coach. We know at this point. And I wonder whether Le'Veon Bell is going to get traded at some point this season because it really seems like Adam Gase doesn't like him. They brought in Frank Gore. They they take P. Ryan as a guy who could step in maybe and maybe be the running back of the future there. So that's another one. I wouldn't be shocked if Le'Veon Bell ends up on another team halfway through the year. But if he stays with the Jets, or even if he gets traded, it'll probably be a good situation that needs a running back. But um, the offensive line is better. They've invested in the offensive line. First round pick, Kai Becton, you put him at tackle. Hopefully Sam Darnold stays healthy this year. I think that would help the the offense. You know, they're not going to start from behind the eight ball with him missing time in the first month. And let me know, it wasn't that bad last year. It's another guy that people look at because that offense was terrible, but he was a top 20 running back last year. He's going to get the receiving work. I'm not that scared of Frank Gore as a Bills fan. Frank Gore, I love him. He's fantastic. It's wild that he's still doing what he's doing, but he's not a starting running back anymore. This is a guy who's just a, complimentary piece who gets brought in to help train the younger running backs to help bring that work ethic in. He is not somebody that's going to come in and, and take significant touches away from Le'Veon Bell. And really he might help Le'Veon Bell because Bell was getting just ground last year. He was just getting crushed because he had to do everything. He was getting all the touches. He might be more effective if you take a little bit of that workload off of him and he's a little fresher later in the season. So I like both those guys to to rebound this year. And I don't think a lot of people do. I think people are just writing them off and they're getting excited about the, the rookies coming in and such a good rookie class. But those are two guys who are slated to get a lot of volume and in my mind still have a lot of talent. Yeah, I, I agree. One thing I would say on David Je- David Johnson is don't accidentally draft Duke Johnson because they are both D Johnson <laughs> for Houston on your, on your draft board. So so get the right one. But yeah, I, I'm pretty high on David Johnson as well. Maybe not as high as you uh, as Le'Veon Bell. So that that was pretty spicy. I think that'll do, Murph. What do you All reckon? Right, Absolutely. That no, that one that one's fire. I'm with you on Lev Bell. I'm not quite there on on Johnson, but I'm more than willing to be proved wrong. Well, I mean, if you agreed with me, it wouldn't be a bold take at that point, right? you got to have at least somebody disagree with some part of it. Absolutely. But I, I was with you on, on Bell all the way. I wrote a piece about he was a top five uh, ADP buy, just based on his ADPs. He's he's arguably two rounds too low, or at least he was when I wrote the article. He's, he's gone up a little bit since. Yeah, for sure. So, Justin, man, we appreciate you coming on big time. And, and obviously, you're a busy guy, maybe not quite as busy as, as you might have been because of the COVID sitch and, and no preseason and stuff. But, yeah, we, we hugely appreciate you giving up some time to come on. Why don't you let Russian Nation know where they can find you on Twitter, on the interwebs, where your podcast is, absolutely everything you do, shout yourself out. Well, I, I appreciate you guys having me. And like I said off the top there, it was it was nice to, to talk to some fantasy folks outside of the U.S. You know, we can kind of group ourselves together as that international fantasy community. I like the sound of that. Um, for my content, the Score app, I, you know, been saying it over and over here, but download the Score app for sure. Follow me on Twitter at Justin Boone, the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. We're doing one episode a week right now. That's going to ramp up as we get closer to the season to more episodes per week. You can find that anywhere. You can find that on the Score app. You can find it in the Draft Kit. And you can find it on whatever podcast platform you're using, iTunes, Spotify, whatever. Um, so it's out there. Go take a look for that. And, yeah, it's uh, – you say, you know, not maybe not as busy because the COVID stuff. But, really, uh, football, we haven't had that much change so far. Now that the preseason isn't going to happen, August might be a little bit lighter for me, some of those nights. But we've been pretty lucky. I, I really don't know with our, you know, NBA teams and NHL teams – They've had a tough go of it, and they've done a phenomenal job creating content 
going back, writing features, you know, analyzing past drafts and coming up with a lot of creative stuff over the last few months. Whereas with the fantasy and, and with the NFL stuff, we've kind of just been doing the usual previewing, building the draft kit and all that sort of thing. So it hasn't been much different yet, but it's about to be depending when training camps get started here. And if we're not going to have any preseason games, it's going to be a little strange heading into the year, but still a super exciting time. And I'm glad I had the time to, to sit down with you guys. This was great. No, we really appreciate it, Justin. Yeah, we massively do. So, yeah, thanks for coming on. Hopefully, uh, maybe you've got a spare hour sometime in the future to come back because we would love to have the uh, international trifecta back together again. But, yeah, thanks for your time, buddy, and uh, stay safe out there because who knows what's going on in the world right now, right? For sure. And any time, you guys just let me know. I'd be happy to come back. And, yeah, you guys stay safe too. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. Murph, I'll catch you uh, Thursday. We've got a uh, special guest, another special guest. Sorry, Justin, that sounded a little derogatory. <laughs> Not at all. We've got another guest episode Thursday. So, uh, Murph, I'll see you Thursday. Justin, we will talk real soon. Rush Nation, until Thursday, as always, don't forget, keep rushing. to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.